I thought, well, if I take my husband's and my parents' money, I would be too afraid to take chances. You know, we always say if you're building something new, you've got to be bold and brave and willing to take risks and fail before you succeed. But failure wouldn't have been an option. And I did not want to play it safe. I needed to go way out there and and take some significant risk. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, financial grownups. It sounds like a dream come true to be able to avoid outside financing when you're starting a business. Keep it in the family, right? But let's be honest. How much risk would you really take with your parents' or your spouse's money? And as our guest, Shelly Zalas, makes very clear, you need that risk to succeed. Not all money is created equal when it comes to funding startups. Welcome, everyone. The show continues to grow. So thanks to all of you who have been telling your friends. If you're new, we work on flex time here. The podcast runs about 15 minutes or so, so pretty much anyone can fit it into their schedule. But if you have more time, go ahead and binge. All right, let's talk about Shelly Zalas. I first met her, or should I say I first witnessed Shelly taking total command of a room of mesmerized women about a year ago. I was fortunate to be included in a dinner that she hosted and have been in awe ever since. She is a force. She is a disruptor in the online research business with OTX, Online Testing Exchange, that was her first company, and now is taking aim at equality with the female quotient. Here is Shelly Zalas. Hey, Shelly Zalas, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I hope I never grow up, though, because when once you're grown up, you feel you never have the opportunity to keep learning, and I learn every day. So I hope that I never grow up. I guess I'm like Peter Pan. Just financially. Okay. So you can fund all your youthful adventures, right? I'll take it. Okay. And I'm a huge fan of your company, your CEO of the Female Quotient, which of course encompasses the Girls' Lounge. Tell us just a little bit about what it is before we get to your money story. Thank you. First of all, I am your greatest fan because you make every conversation, whether it's complicated or easy, fun, interactive, engaging, and with solutions for change. So thank you for doing what you do as well. The female quotient, the name came, first came the intelligence quotient IQ, then the emotional quotient EQ, now the female quotient FQ. When you put women in any equation, the equation gets better so that we can start creating solutions around diversity. We say that diversity is good for business and yet we're going backwards. So the female quotient is in the business of equality and we have four key pillars, the girls' lounge. There's a boys' club. Why not have a girls' lounge? A place where the minority acts and feels like the majority. Men are welcome, but they come into our world with our rules, and they all feel comfortable. And we will be launching a permanent girls' lounge on um, university campuses in over 122 countries. And then we'll also be launching the FQ Talent, a talent business for corporate women to bring more visibility to women doing remarkable things. Um, And then we also have a practice of equality, helping companies become equality fit because we can help women all we want. But if we don't rewrite the rules, then women will continue to fall out in middle management or what we call the messy middle. 
And then the fourth is the FQ Impact, which is our giving back with generosity, really to women in developing markets. All this costs money. And a lot of that money came from online testing exchange, which you built earlier in your career. You have a money story to share with us about a strategic decision that you made, a psychologically strategic decision you made about how to finance your first business venture. Tell us your money story, Shelley. I needed a million dollars because I met a 21-year-old. I was doing website testing, usability testing, and I thought, what if we migrate research from offline to online? And I said to him, Trevor, why don't you build this for me? I said, but I have no money. And I said, but the second someone gives me money, I'll give you a million dollars. So believe in me, invest in me, and I will give it back in a very significant way. And so I I needed a million dollars and I had two options, go to a big company and get them to buy in, or my husband and my father both agreed to give me half a million dollars to realize my dream. And they believed in me. I thought about that. I thought, well, that's the easy way just to go to my family, but it was going to be hard. My husband was just starting out in medicine. We did not have that kind of money. We would have been putting everything in our savings account into this. And of course, my father wanted to help out. And I thought, well, if I take my husband's and my parents' money, I would be too afraid to take chances. You know, we always say if you're building something new, you've got to be bold and brave and willing to take risks and fail before you succeed. But failure wouldn't have been an option if I had my family's option. And I did not want to play it safe. I needed to go way out there and and take some significant risk. And so I did not take their money. And I went to Nielsen and they were the first to to fund me. And as soon as they said yes, I handed a 21-year-old a million dollar check. And you already had a relationship with Nielsen. Yeah. I went to Nielsen. I said, I have a big idea. And they said, great, what do you need? I said, I need a million dollars. And that is the check that I gave to this young man that just said yes to me, believed in me, not knowing what the results would become. But what I had was passion and purpose and an unstoppable mindset. And I went in saying, I really want to try something new. I don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, it's certainly going to be a game changer. And I sold that same company three times. So they took a good risk and they also got a great reward as a result of saying yes. When you look back at those early days, do you feel that there are risks that you took? Is there a specific example you can think of of a risk that you took that you may have been more hesitant to take had you been financed by your relatives, by your husband and and your, your, well, really you and your husband and your father? Absolutely. The first risk I took when I got to Nielsen was I said to Nielsen, not only do we need to pay this young man, you know, a million dollars, but I'm going to go break into the movie business. I was very well known in the consumer package good business, but I decided to go after the movie business because they had two and a half minute trailers versus just 30 second spots. They tested a lot of content and they needed data within 48 hours. And security was very important for them because you could close a movie before it opens if if people pan the trailer. And so I thought if I could build a system around the hardest thing possible, then doing 30 second spots for products that are womb to tomb would be very simple. So I said to Nielsen, I'm going to go to the studios and everything they're testing offline. And there was a monopoly. One guy owned the research business for the movie, you know, for the movie industry. I said, everything they test offline, I want to parallel test for free 
online so I could calibrate the scores and build the model and build the technology that would work. And that was very risky and that was very expensive. And I wouldn't have been able to take those chances if I couldn't go way out there and build the ecosystem very quickly by parallel testing. Right. Versus if you were investing, if you had your father's money and your husband's money, you would have been watching every penny and maybe been a lot more reluctant to do something like that. I would have played it safe. And if you play it safe, there's no way you'll be, you know, really the first to own something. And I always said to myself, I need to be the first, the second and the third. The first has to come up with this big idea, but they usually lose. So if I took my my father and husband's money, I probably would have lost. Um, so the first always comes up with a big idea. You have to make the investment, but you don't reap the benefit because the second one comes in, they copy everything you did, but they don't really know what's under the hood. And the third is the sweeper. You've now built an ecosystem. Everyone is buying in. They get the money and they win. So for our listeners, what is the takeaway here? What is the lesson for them, how they can apply it to their own lives? Well, I think number one, don't be greedy. Like had I have taken my husband's money and my father's money, I would have, you know, the equity would have stayed in the family. And that was the positive. But the negative was I would have been risk averse. And, you know, failure would not have been an option for me. And there is no companies that succeed building something that doesn't exist if you're not willing to fail before you succeed. Number two, when you are pioneering something that's never been done before, make sure you set yourself up in your own mind that you will have freedom to color out of the lines, that you're not going to play it safe. You've got to be bold. You've got to be brave. You've got to be willing to take chances. And you do need a partner that will support that mindset. Okay, let's talk about your everyday money tip now, though, because it sort of flips where you're seated, because now instead of being the one receiving the money, now you're in a position to support businesses that you believe in. I once had someone come to me, they needed $100,000 to create a project that I thought was very worthwhile. And so, of course, I gave them $10,000. And I said, you know, here's $10,000 towards the 100,000. As it turns out, they never raised the additional 90,000 that they needed. And I never got my money back. And that really bothered me. You know, that's hard worked money for me that I really gave to this organization to, to make something happen. So now I designate all of my giving. And so if someone needs 100,000 and I'm planning to give 10, I will say to them, you go get your 90,000 and I will give you the last 10 so that I know the project is a go. Or I will designate my giving. If I'm gonna give 10,000 to something, I will buy three dog sniffing dogs, or I will buy three rehabilitation machines in Teleshomer Hospital. Or for my children's bar and bat mitzvahs, I said to them, 10% of what you get for your bar mitzvah, we're gonna give to an organization. And we built a gym for handicapped children. And my kids were able to go and see that that actually happened. Because when you can see the results of your giving, you want to give more. My mother always used to tell me that giving is like wearing a new pair of shoes. When you put them on the first time, it pinches. But the more you wear them, the more comfortable you get. 
Like I just was at the Makers Conference recently and I met a young girl. She's 12 years old from India living in Colorado. And she found a technology, a way to remove lead from water. And she needed $25,000 for her dream. And I thought, you know, if they're asking everyone in the audience and someone says, I'll give you 500, I'll give you 1,000, she might have ended up with 3,000 out of 25. And one, it would have been discouraging for her. And two, she would not have been able to realize her dreams. If I'm going to give, I want to know that it's going to make a difference and help you go where you need to go. Love that. All right, Shelly, let's talk quickly about the Girls Lounge and the Female Quotient and what is happening the rest of 2018. Oh, thank you. So we are doing um, Girls Lounge pop-ups. It is a space, as I said before, where the minority accent feels like the majority, a space for women to connect, collaborate, activate change together, but more importantly, to support each other and have unplugged conversations. So we have pop-ups at pretty much every major industry. We will be rolling out on college campuses starting in September. We already opened two but we'll be opening 200 universities at a time. We have access to 3,800 universities in 122 countries. Our FQ talent business will be launched in about three months. We are building it right now with wireframes. What will that be? It will be a talent agency for senior women placing women in keynotes. I'm just so sick of hearing that there's no women for keynote speeches. I'm I like, know. I've heard that too, Shelly. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. I'm <laughs> like, we, we have all the women. The women are all here. We have over 17,000 corporate women in our community that are all badass in their own regard with their own stories to tell. So, you know, no excuses. Sorry, not sorry. There's plenty of women. So if you don't find them, then that's just a poor excuse for not, you know, moving forward. Shelly, where can people find out more about all of this and be in touch with you and your team? Thank you. You can follow us on social at Shelly Zalis or at We Are TFQ. And you can find us. Um, our website is The Female Quotient. Shelly, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Bobby, you're amazing. Thank you for sharing our journey. All I can say is one day, I hope I have the means to be able to make someone's dreams come true the way Shelly does. It's pretty incredible. But take her advice to heart. Financial grown-up tip number one, when giving to a startup, maybe your friend is starting a business, has a page on Kickstarter, don't be afraid to take a step back and see how they raise funds from other people first. If you want to give something to show your support early on, well, maybe make a small donation, but hold back and know what happens to your money if the project is not fully funded. Financial grown-up tip number two. Shelly talks about being fearless and taking risks, but take that in the context of the fact that she already had a ton of experience in the industry. She knew what she was doing. Companies like Nielsen don't just hand you a million dollars. You need to know your stuff and have the credibility and the experience. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have not already, please subscribe. And while you're there, make sure to go to settings and select auto downloads. You don't have to worry about missing any episodes. And I want to hear your thoughts. DM me on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And of course, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about the podcast at BobbyRebel.com forward slash financial grownup podcast. Shelly Zellis, truly fearless and so inspiring. Thank you, Shelly, for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.